Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here. It's Wednesday. And even though you all haven't really missed him because you only see him on Wednesdays anyway, I got to say, it's been, it's been quiet around the home office over the last week. <laughs> Jimmy Van had a minivan. Jimmy Jr., Mm-hmm. Did you miss me, Sean? I didn't miss this echo that I have from you that I have to fix right now. There you have an echo go. from me? Fixed. Is it better? It's fixed, yeah. Good. So, so yeah, I, I really uh, left you alone this week, you know? I did. Update us. What happened? Well, I'm. thank you very much, sir. Nigel just set up the iPad for me so I can see my shot. Well, yeah, so you, can, so you can monitor me. Because so I can Wire, monitor your bullshit. Because Wirecast true. and Skype, as we have learned over the past couple of months, are not meant to work together, even though they really are. That's one of the selling points of it. But they, they make it really difficult. But... So when I uh, when I got on here, when we first you know fired this up before we went on the air, and I saw you didn't have the shower curtain in your background, I said to Sean, "I'm not buying this shit for a minute. You're going to wait until one of the segments, the JJ segment or the Russo segment, and then while the segment's playing, you're going to put up the shower curtain." So I got the uh, iPad going here so I can keep ta- to keep track of your bullshit. I'm playing it straight oh, today. I swear, really? I'm playing it straight, Jimmy. This is a double okay. pay per view weekend, as I mentioned. You're right. You you were off taking care of of the new kid, yep. and I had to cover UFC two twelve and Extreme Rules. I had a wedding to go to, like there were there was, it was a busy weekend for me. I didn't have time for shenanigans, unfortunately. It was it was. I was telling you, I forgot all about the UFC show. I forgot completely about it, and it wasn't until the next day when somebody told me that Holloway uh, took out Aldo. Oh yeah. I forgot that the show was even going on until somebody mentioned that to me. So it was a very busy week for me, but uh, I'm back here for you, man. I'm doing this for you. This is all for you. Roy Soria asks if you're wearing an Adidas romper. This is, I don't know what a romper is. 
What's a romper? It's the one piece with shorts that women wear that that people are trying to create like a move. It's almost like sarcastically in fashion now. You mean like a onesie? Yeah. No, so this is a Toronto FC jersey. Uh, they are a soccer team out of Toronto, and uh, I'm just repping the home team today. That's I'm why gonna I'm get. This. I'm gonna get a uh, an Cincinnati FC soccer jersey soon. Uh, yeah, they're they're huge in Toronto. They're very popular. They, they sell it every Soccer's getting pretty popular in Cincinnati too. Like people want oh. to make it an MLS team, and I know that's like the seventh most important soccer league in the world. But right for us, right. that'd be kind of cool. So you you had a kid. You, you keep avoiding the point. I was there. I was in the delivery room, as you all yes, saw. Yes, you were. Wednesday. You were, ironically enough, you were in the delivery room before the kid was even born, which is devoted amazing. Devoted to your company, Jimmy. What can I say? And I found it really weird that not only was my wife there when, uh, as far as I knew, she was at home, but suddenly my wife went from brown to white because uh, the room that you were in at the hospital, you were with a white brunette woman, and my wife is brown. So oh, Jimmy, I was, I, you Jimmy, know you know what? You know what? I didn't even notice because I don't pay attention to things like that. I don't see color like some people on this oh, side. Right, Jimmy, right, thanks. right, right. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. We're, you're, we're gonna come under fire now. Uh, people have already said that I'm acting like JBL every week. Snarky was the comment. Snarky, yeah. and it's funny. I was at the store the other day, and I saw one of those Snickers on the back. It has like words, and one of them was snarky, and I almost oh. got it. But there you go. Trying to watch so we what have, I eat. So we have a lot of stuff uh, before we get into the wrestling. We have a lot of little news to discuss. So first and foremost, Jimmy Junior's doing great, and uh, I've had a lot of people on Facebook and on Twitter send me uh, well wishes. So I want to thank everybody. I haven't been on social media very much, so I haven't responded to most people. But uh, thanks for all the well wishes. That was appreciated. Um, you were recognized locally. In was it Lexington or was it in your local town? No, this was the Rochester thing. No, the the McDonald's. Oh yeah, I thought you meant the yeah. radio show. Yeah, that was. No, we're going to get into that too. But this is this was the McDonald's. That was interesting. Yeah, I went yeah. through McDonald's the other day. It was my cheat day and got my fries. And I, as the guy handed me back my credit card, he goes. Oh, you're Sean Ross Sapp. And I knew that that's where he knew me from because my Facebook name is not Sean Ross Sapp because I don't like people, I don't know, adding me to that. And my middle name is not on my credit card. I was like, yeah, that's me. And he was like, oh, I read your stuff all the time. I watch your shows. That was really cool. In a town where most everybody knows me, that this person who, he was maybe 18, 19. Like he, you know, he's a little out of my age range. He recognized me from FIFL. That's, that's really cool. That's awesome. And then we should give a shout out to Polly from Radio 95.1 in Rochester, New yeah. York, who uh, I listened to the clip. He is a fan of Sean Rossap, listens to the podcast, uh, and fan played a little. Sorry? A fan of Fightful. Fan of Fightful. Okay, but he specifically mentioned Sean Rossap. And uh, he played a clip from the SmackDown review show when Anna was poking fun of him because he was at the front row of the SmackDown taping. So kudos to you, man, Polly. I'm, I'm in Toronto, which is not terribly far from Rochester. So kudos. Yeah, that was, that was very cool. I, I had that in my inbox this morning. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> I, I get the question of what is the first thing you do in the morning when you wake up as in this type of job. I check my inbox, and usually mm-hmm. it's between two or three inboxes, Twitter – uh, my regular email, my business email, I've got dozens of stuff in there. And that was, 
occasionally you'll see stuff like that. So that, that was really awesome. I really liked that. That was cool. Awesome. And, uh, thanks for the support. Now I am going to tell you a story today, Sean. You, you tell stories on occasion. I enjoy telling stories. And this story somehow ties in Chris Benoit to myself. Oh, boy. Yep. I'm going to tell a story. So years ago, uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Jeff Merrick, uh, who he was the original live audio wrestling co-host, the law co-host. And he now is a NHL analyst for Sportsnet in Canada. So he's done well for himself. And Jeff was one of the first guys I ever met in Toronto. And one time Chris Benoit was in town uh, and they were at a bar and Chris and Jeff were friends. And Chris Benoit was telling a story about how he never weighed himself, Hmm. right? And he said the reason he never weighed himself is because if he felt good physically and if he thought he looked good, but in your head you think you should weigh a certain amount. And so he would, you know, be afraid. I don't want to step on a scale and think, oh, I'm 10 pounds overweight even though I look good, right? So he never weighed himself. And he said that the weights when he was announced and went to the ring were complete bullshit because he just never weighed himself. After that story, I stopped weighing myself. And the only time I ever weigh myself is when I go to the doctor. I don't weigh myself at home ever. This morning I had my physical and it was the first time I'd had a physical in three years. And I'm telling you this story because it's going to tie into the benefits of children, Sean. One of the benefits of children. One of the benefits of children. Uh, In the three years since I last went to the doctor, I dropped 22 pounds. Wow. And when the doctor said, what have you done to drop those 22 pounds? I told him, honestly, the only thing that's significantly changed is I have a two and a half year old and my weekends are spent from the time I get up to the time I go to sleep chasing her all over the backyard. Uh, And that's really it. That's been the main change. And the stress put on you by Sean Ross Sapp on a weekly basis. No, because I just I just get liquored up on Friday nights, and that takes care of that. <laughs> well, makes the stress go away. I haven't made this exactly public. I'm trying to drop to 170 pounds. I'd like to do some competitive grappling again. But I got to tell you, running all across Toronto last week has helped get the job done. Apparently, your boy was at 178 this morning. A dehydrated 178, but wow, there you go. Maybe 155 is in my future as as it pertains to competitive grappling. That's not healthy, man. That's not healthy. Uh, you're right. Well, I I once grappled at 149.9. That was scary. That was terrifying because I didn't really know what I was doing, and I'm I'm six feet tall, so that's not healthy. And this was in my younger years. I was in my early to mid 20s, so a lot easier to do that. I didn't really so you know stop. What? I didn't really stop growing until I was in my mid twenties, though, because as a child and a teenager, I was on Ritalin. I was like one of the last yeah. Ritalin kids, and that stunts your growth and yeah. makes yeah. it happen later. So, what do you? I, I just want to talk about this for a minute. The whole uh, body weight thing, mm-hmm. the uh, BMI, the body mass index. So, my regular doctor is an older doctor. They're old school, and they believe in the BMI. The doctor that I had the physical with this morning is a younger doctor, doesn't believe in the BMI. I am not a believer in the BMI because it doesn't take into account bone density and things like that. What do you think about that? Ah, that's tough. That's tough because everybody's composed differently. and That's right. That's why the BMI doesn't work because it goes by height and like, weight, right? Yeah, like Finn Balor is shorter than me, weighs mm-hmm. a lot more than me. But, you know, if I could look like Finn Balor, I'm looking like Finn Balor. Sure. That's a situation. Sure. I mean, it's in and my, in my situation, I'm 5'9". This morning, I weighed 209 pounds. And according to my older doctor, according to the BMI, I should be 165 pounds. 
And I've told my doctor, I physically cannot weigh 165 pounds. I don't have the, I don't have the frame to support that little of weight. I need to weigh more. And my doctor today said, you know what, 190, 195, you're good. Don't yeah. worry about this 165 bullshit. Well, so. it's like I'm, over the past year, I haven't really been able to lift. I've had like a wrist injury that I've had to check in on and stuff, and I just stopped lifting altogether a few months ago. And it's kind of went away for now, so I'm hoping that the wrist injury recovers. But ideally, I would like to be 185 and just compete there. I've meddled before at 170 and at 185. Ironically, I grappled originally at 155 and lower, and either I would just bump myself up in weight or I just didn't meddle there because I didn't feel good. I felt terrible uh-huh. by the time I got on the mats. Exactly. Nice. So that's why you got to stay away from this 155 nonsense because I don't want to have to rename you Bones. I was a very, I used to be super, super skinny. I think as a freshman. In high school, I was maybe 80, 85 pounds. When I graduated, I, I was... I can't imagine. I can't I imagine. Was, I was 5'7 and maybe 115, 120 when I graduated. I yeah. can't imagine. I was tiny. Unbelievable. Uh, last but not least, I want to give a shout out to Harley Race. Yeah. Uh, now, when I got into wrestling, uh, I got into wrestling when he was at the tail end of his career. He was uh, just entering the WWF at the time that I first became a fan of wrestling. So I knew him mostly as that guy. But because of the wrestling magazines and because of VHS tapes, I got to educate myself on his NWA run uh, and learned all the stories about what a tough guy he was and all that. He uh, he just had a fall at his house. He broke both of his legs and his left ankle. J.J. Uh, Dillon said he heard that Harley may never walk again. And so uh, I just want to give give a shout out to him. You know, he was anybody that you ask about who are the toughest guys ever in wrestling, legitimately toughest. Haku's always going to be on that list, and Harley Race is always going to be on that list. So, yeah, JJ Dillon, when I spoke to him this week, said it, it kind of sounds like Harley Race isn't going to be walking again. And that's what I said, yeah. It's yeah. unfortunate. Were you listening to me when I just yes, said I that? Was. Or were you, were you I distracted was listening doing something to you? Else? You talked about how really? you educated yourself about his NWA yeah. run through tapes and all that really? stuff. But the fact it's, that you just well, listen, listen, what I when, said. when you say anything, yeah. people need me to reiterate it so they can believe it. They got to hear the journalists say it, not some, not some just dude who hasn't oh. worked all week for oh, no oh. reason at all. Is that who right? hasn't been doing anything for like a week straight? Been sitting on his ass, not <laughs> not doing a thing. That's what I've been doing. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. Where I come from, man, the one that signs your checks is the one you listen to. Well, so, what did Virgil back there have to say then? Did you see the Adam Jones thing? I did see the Adam Jones thing. That which, wasn't which, bad. As I said, makes him the second best Adam Jones to ever be in pro wrestling. Actually, third, because I'm pretty sure that one of the members of Tool is a big wrestling fan, and he's I think he's a member of our site, actually. I, I believe Justin, Justin's on the road with him right now, actually. Yeah, well, there you go. Justin Roberts. So Justin was going to do an interview with us, and but he didn't want to do a video interview. He wanted to do a phone interview. Why? It's just what he wanted, and I told him that's not really our format, and then he said, okay, I'm going on tour with Tool for six weeks, uh, so then we'll talk when he gets back. They're actually cool. going to be in Hamilton, which isn't far from Toronto, so depending on his schedule, maybe I'll grab dinner with him or something. That's pretty we'll awesome. See. Did you see, yeah. uh, before we get, I don't know how much more you have on your list, but... I have a lot. Oh, we haven't even started. Well, did you, did you see the exclusive that I posted today? Was that about the meetings about the fishing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's on my list, man. Okay, we'll get to that. We'll get to that later then. So, okay. uh, 
Okay. Let's get into the list. All right. There it is. List of Jimmy Van. I want to talk about, and this is something that we should not have to talk about, Sean, because this is something that should be obvious, and we shouldn't have to discuss it. But in today's wrestling landscape, we have to discuss it. I want to talk about the importance of storytelling. Yeah. And the and the importance of giving guys the freedom to improvise on their promos as opposed to going word for word. Um, on Raw this week, now you said on Monday on the post-Raw podcast, you said this week's show was indicative of the fact that there's no reason why WWE can't put on good shows because they have the talent to do it. Uh, they're really the only game in town. They have the experience in the back. I hope you're listening to me because you're typing. I'm so listening, listening to you, Jimmy. Okay. I'm listening to you. Just because I'm not looking directly into my <laughs> camera doesn't mean I'm not looking at you. I know you haven't done this whole work thing in a while, right. but that's, right. that's how it happens. So this week on Raw, as you pointed out on the post-Raw podcast on Monday, there was no Finn Balor, there were no Hardy Boys, there was no Bailey, and yet this was a good episode of Raw. It was an entertaining episode of Raw uh, outside pretty much the from ring, start, I would say outside the yeah, ring. Yeah, yeah, like it, it was quite good. Um, and I want to mention something that uh, again I've talked about this before. Vice.com did a story December 9th, twenty sixteen, about the inner, inner workings of WWE. And uh, one former executive, an unnamed former executive, said, "All Vince McMahon cares about is that night's show, not fifteen weeks later, like how all other television shows work." That is why, in recent history. WWE Raw has not been a good show. It's because they're hot-shotting, right? And they're not doing a lot of long-term storyline planning, uh, and they're making guys do word-for-word promos because that's what they do on television. But Raw on Monday was indicative of the fact that if you do long-term storyline planning, the Cass and Enzo story now is three weeks in, right? The Kurt Angle uh, story with uh, uh, Graves is two weeks in now. The Miz, who clearly is not doing (laughs) word-for-word promos... Had a phenomenal segment, and I actually tweeted him to say I'm digging your work, and I never thought I would say that about The Miz. Um, the Samoa Joe segment was phenomenal, I thought. The booking of Neville I really like a lot because they're making him a dominant force, which they should do with some of their champions. So when you look at what they did this week, and maybe it's just a one-off, and maybe they're going to go back to hot-shotting next week, but this week was indicative of what can happen when, again, you have proper storytelling, long-term planning, or at least long-ish term planning and you don't make the guys do word for word promos i thought it was a good show and i love those segments yeah and, and very often shows right after a pay-per-view will be good because you get like almost that aura of newness you get new feuds new everything but a lot of things like the enzo thing that's been going on a while the angle graves yeah. thing that's been going on a while and i don't remember if they even touched those on extreme rules but outside of the ring i thought that show was phenomenal there was there was were good. so many different things that made me sit back and say, I can't wait to watch the show next week. I can't wait to find out what happens. Like, right. I'm, I'm really interested in that. And to, to your point about scripted promos, we've seen Jinder Mahal come out and cut the same exact promo for like three right. or four weeks. And and Roman Reigns, too. Yeah, Roman well, Reigns keeps saying Roman the same Reigns, thing. Yeah, but Roman Reigns is doing it in 30 seconds and punching a guy. Jinder mm-hmm. Mahal's out there for four or five minutes saying the same thing. Yeah. 
So I don't necessarily mind the Roman Reigns stuff because it's quick and harmless. The Jinder Mahal thing, we had a commenter saying, well, why don't you write one better? It's not my job to write one better. It's my job no. to talk about it. It's their job to write one better. Well, it's not just that, but as we've, as we've talked about, they should be doing bullets. They shouldn't be doing word for word, right? They should be doing yes. bullets because that's why when you look at some of the greatest promo guys of all time, whether it be Ric Flair, uh, Stone Cold, they weren't given word for word stuff. They were told to hit certain bullets, and other than that, they could be free. And again, when you look at that that Miz segment, I thought was freaking awesome. Uh, I thought Miz was excellent in that. When he dropped the elbow on the box, when he yelled "Je t'aime" in, in French to Maurice when she was going back, I thought it was it was great. And uh, and it's because he got a little bit of freedom. And Samoa Joe, let me tell you something. I realize that they need the performance center. I realize that it's a necessity because there's not enough territories or there's not enough indie promotions anymore. They've got to cultivate their own talent. I, well, they, I, I they get want, it. They want control of some of this talent either before somebody else gets a hold of them or before they emerge as talents on their own, and they can't. Sure, sure. But when you look at what Samoa Joe did in that segment with Paul Heyman, when he had him in the corner and he was whispering without the microphone because he recognized the camera was close enough, so he was whispering without the microphone – there's a reason why you want guys with experience on your roster, even if that experience was primarily on the indies or with the TNA. I thought Joe was great in that segment. Uh, and it's unfortunate that they've only got a few weeks to build Joe and Brock because that's a, that's a feud. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that's a match. That, that is that, a feud. That's that is a match. match I've always wanted to see. I know yeah. that I know that they can, they can hang together. I know that Joe can stand with him. Uh, and it's yeah. so funny because – one of the first things I saw, because I went on a bit of a rant last night, the first thing I saw was, how is it believable that this fat guy can beat up Brock Lesnar? I said, right. it's pro wrestling. Anything's believable. By the way, Brock Lesnar against the fat Samoan did over a million pay-per-view buys last year. And Brock Lesnar was very reluctant against Mark Hunt. Oh, yeah. Because Brock recognized, yeah, this guy's overweight, and if this guy was in shape, he'd be a light heavyweight. But he's got power in those fists and Brock was very reluctant in that fight. He kept him down and took him down and kept him there. So, uh, had no, I, in the second round, like he didn't want to yeah. close that distance. I mean, yeah. it's pro wrestling. You believe as much as you let yourself believe. Yeah. And Sean, isn't it great to be talking positively about wrestling, oh, man? Yes. I love positively about the show. Cause I it was a good show. This week. Yeah. I love those segments. Like I said, the, the wrestling, the in ring wrestling outside of maybe, I loved Kalisto versus Apollo Crews on Sunday. I loved the main event. I would have liked the Intercontinental title match a lot more had the ref and Dean Ambrose not been portrayed as idiots. But inside the ring, left plenty to be desired for me, especially when you're getting Nakamura Owens for the first time and Ziggler Styles again. Those could have been a lot more. But outside the ring, I just thought that so much of Raw was outstanding. I really, really liked it. Something else I really liked about Raw, and I I hope it's not a one-off, is they were more respective of smart fans on Raw. And what I mean by that is, uh, number one, they acknowledged that the This Is Your Life segment was shit. They acknowledged yes. it because everybody thought it was shit. But the other thing I really liked was the segment with uh, The Miz and with Maurice. Everybody, I think, thought that the bear is Dean Ambrose, right? I think everybody thought that. And especially when Ms. and Maurice were looking at each other going, I didn't get the bear. Did you get the bear? I didn't get the bear. Tell me that everybody didn't think that Dean Ambrose was in that costume. It was, it was awesome. And the present, right? Ms. attacking that present was Attacking phenomenal. the present. 
Because, again, fans watching, they're going to just assume, oh, Ambrose is going to be in one of the presidents or whatever. So instead of having Miz act like a moron and, and, and be happy with everything and not expect it, they made him actually realize Ambrose is going to do something, right? Yeah. So uh, all uh, of that I thought was great. I posted the gif of uh, Miz attacking the president and said, this is me to trolls. And somebody said, Jimmy is Maurice trying to get you to stop. <laughs> well, I am Canadian. I'm waiting for a grandfather clock in the background of your studio now. Just What's hanging up above. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get a cardboard cut cutout of that exact grandfather clock. The oh, exact wow. one that they used in that segment. I'll get a cardboard cutout of it. Why wouldn't but, you just uh, get a regular... A regular... Uh, Grandfather clock. If I can find that exact one, That'd be I tough. will. That'd be tough. But didn't it, didn't it have cracks on the front now from the elbows and stuff? I thought yeah, it was broken, it, wasn't it? Yeah, if they didn't like pre-break that, then yeah. that couldn't have felt good if that were no. a real grandfather clock. No, no. Well, I mean, there was probably cushioning in the box and all that, but... Yeah, but he had but, to break it. He had to physically break it somehow. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess dropping an elbow will do that. Yeah, that's true. You know? So I want to now talk about, and this kind of goes with what we just talked about, when there was no Finn Balor, no Hardy Boys, no Bailey, and yet they produced a good show because they had proper storytelling and they had uh, uh, just better production. Um, I am all for the idea. Tell me if you agree or not. I'm all for the idea of having an off-season for talent in WWE. I'm not for having an off-season with WWE, but I'm all for having an off-season with talent where um, you rotate them in and out every couple of months. And I'm going to tell you why. When you look at John Cena, right, he's been taking breaks because of his movies. He comes back every time bigger than, than when he left. He doesn't get the booze the way he did before because he's considered a bigger act. Brock Lesnar is another one. He's only there part-time, and it's, it feels special when he's there. It feels like a bigger deal. Um, Chris Jericho is another one. Every time he takes a hiatus and he comes back, he gets that big pop upon his return. Look at Lana. You and I spoke a few months ago about, wow. do you think they, you know, we said, do you think they can rehabilitate Lana and Lana should have been, uh, Emma in that position and could they rehabilitate her? Look at the pop she got on SmackDown for, when she came all out. The, for all the trash those vignettes got, she showed up there. She hasn't taken a bump on TV in a year and a half right. and she is the most over woman on the entire roster doesn't matter if you're Sasha Banks, doesn't matter if you're yep. Bailey, Alexa Bliss, Charlotte. And I think yep. Charlotte and Alexa Bliss have both taken hits to their aura and popularity since switching brands. Yes. They both seemed like top stars on their respective shows before, and now they're struggling. Lana shows yep. up. They tried to portray her as like a heel getting something she didn't deserve. Yeah. She looked like a megastar. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's yep. a certain it factor that you can't put your finger on and you know, we'll hear from Vince Russo later. I don't agree with his assessment that wrestling needs sables and all that stuff. But if you have one like Lana, who is over like like crazy for no reason, utilize it. Make her Absolutely. be over like crazy. Now, the difference is, this isn't 20 years ago. People have the internet. 20 years ago, wrestling was the only place some people could find hot women to get their content and stuff like that. The not everybody had the internet like that. I mean Can you explain when you say to get their content? Can you go into detail on to that? To get John? their content. <laughs> you know what I mean. And uh, I think Vince <sighs> has controversially stated what content that is. <laughs> but I mean it's 2017. You can find that anywhere, but Lana has just transcended all that. Absolutely. She's and and a very special circumstance. 
If it were me, I would put her back. I'd have her hair in the bun and in the, in the business suits if it was my decision. Because when her hair's down in the uh, in the uh, gowns or whatever, she looks a lot like a lot of the other girls when they're not in ring gear. So if it were me, I'd put her with the hair back in the business suits. But still, being off television did wonders for her. I guarantee you Rusev, when he comes back, is going to get a big reaction too. Yeah. And so do you not think that it makes sense to uh, let these guys have a couple months off, let their bodies heal, and they come back hotter than when they left? I think that six weeks off should be, like, common. Every wrestler so. should have at least a six-week-off period. I agree. And I'll tell you one other thing, and we, we talked about this before. Um, George Berrios, because you know that WWE's response to this would probably be, well, we need them for live events. We're running two or three tours, right? Yeah. George Berrios, as we talked about on May 17, when he uh, spoke at the Needham Emerging Technology Conference, he said, we've pivoted from a live events business to a media business. And that was a, that was a quote from him. Their content and their media, their television contracts and their network are much more important to them now than their live event revenue. And so it's not going to hurt them if they pull somebody off the live events for six weeks well, or for I two mean, months. Mojo and American Alpha have missed re- live events regularly of, of late. They've like not been on there. And you can't fit everybody on these live events, so give people, some people the weekend off. The Hardys, while they are huge live event uh, draws and attractions, they don't need to be yeah. on those live events all the time. That's going to be bad for them in the long run. I mean, Randy Orton's been getting weekends off because apparently it's in his new contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roman Reigns was off when he got injured and then his brother passed away. And it's not like these shows went to shit. They offer refunds, but most people don't take the refund because yeah. they're there, right? So I, I think that it's something that they should consider with every talent. I think that's going to make them a lot hotter coming back. Uh, and I think it's something that they should do. And again, I don't see WWE wanting to do it, but I think an offseason for talent should be mandatory. Uh, I, I obviously you can't have a gap in programming, but you wouldn't. They're, I mean, they have so much talent, you know. They, you they've, they've got a wealth of it they, yeah. to the point to where yeah. they run two live event series for NXT. There are guys you aren't using. Like you can put them. They they put Alistair Black on some of the European live events for yeah. WWE. See yeah. how they work. Yep, yeah. it'd be fine. Do you want to uh, get to the Steiner story? I want to address this. Somebody says, "How TF." Is Alexa Bliss a lesser star? What a dumbass comment that was from SRS. Uh, have you watched the last two weeks of WWE programming with Alexa Bliss? She had one of the worst pay-per-view matches of the year. She was in one of the worst segments I've ever seen on Raw. Now, I think we need to clarify because some people, especially if they're a fan of Alexa Bliss, they might look at it like it's a shot at Alexa Bliss. It's, it's- not. This is this is what she's been handed. These are the cards she's been dealt. Yeah, this, this is the, ma- the material. Yeah, but it's not really her. I mean, when they're putting her in a four minute match with Bailey and she throws two candlestick shots, gets the pin. They put her in the "This is your life" segment, which was dog shit. That's not Alexa's fault. But the fact yeah, of the matter Alexa's is, fault. no. But the fact of the matter is, those were dog shit segments. They were it just terrible. was. It wasn't her fault. Yeah, it yeah. makes her look not as good as she did on SmackDown, where. Generally, she was protected to a pretty good degree, and even when she was in the ring with people who couldn't necessarily go, they right. somehow made it work. Meanwhile, she's yep. in the ring with somebody who can go in a gimmick match, right. and you don't make it go. So No, it wasn't her fault. And when you look at Charlotte, because again, it's all about how they're handled, Charlotte should be a heel. Mm-hmm. Charlotte is a phenomenal heel, and having her as a babyface teaming with Becky Lynch, it's not, it's not a good usage of her talent. 
and and that's why she's dropping off. I'm with you. So I'm with you there. Yeah. So do you want to go to the uh, the JJ story? No. <laughs> it was. A I, good I just story. want to say, if I ever get suspended for a week without pay, and I were to do what a guy like Scott Steiner did to JJ Dillon, yeah. how would it play? How would it play out? Would you fire me? Um. Yes. I just showed up in Toronto as I because I'm there all the time. I know my way around the city now. Yeah. Yeah. And let's let's play the clip first, and then we'll address it because I do want to address it. Yeah. So, so I talked to JJ Dillon this week, guys. Uh, always great to hear from him. But he talked about uh, an interesting situation with Scott Steiner about 20 years ago. Check it out. There, there was a, a situation in 1998 where Scott Steiner kind of pushed you, allegedly overcutting promo time. How did that happen? What happened? It was a situation where we were doing Nitro Live. And Scott Steiner had an issue at that time with Ric Flair. And he had a set verbiage that he would use. And then Rick was to come on right after him in the ring and be able to respond to what Scott said, which was going to further the story for where we were going with the upcoming event or what have you. Scott had a personal dislike for Ric Flair. You know, I mean, not, not a, a lot of people love Ric Flair, but a lot of people don't for whatever the reason and some within the business because I, I, I'm not going to speculate. It could be jealousy. It could be just don't like him because maybe his girlfriend likes him. You know, I, I don't know. But Scott Steiner went in the ring and totally went on a tirade about Ric Flair, but it w- was not storyline related. It was very, very personal. And it went on and it went on. And, of course, the show is timed, timed out and – you don't have a great amount of flexibility. And more importantly was Rick was to go on next and to respond to what our understanding was that Scott was going to say on live TV to further the storyline. And obviously I was upset because how do you adjust to that on live TV? It was embarrassing for Rick. It's embarrassing for me because Scott went out there with no prior warning, and just made what he said very, very personal. And I uh, called Scott on it, and he's a very, uh, oh, let's see. I don't don't even think temperamental. High-strung, okay. He's very high-strung. And so, of course, he took exception and then just continued the promo on Flair backstage with me. And I said, your personal views with Rick are personal with you or him. And live television, when we have a storyline to further, is not the place to carry on uh, and and to air air your personal opinions. And Bill Bush at that time was uh, in charge of the company. Eric was on hiatus. And so 
Bill first impulse was to fire him. And then, well, he's got a contract and we had to deal with Brad. He had to deal with Brad Siegel and it ended up the decision was made to suspend him for, I want to say two weeks without pay. And I met in a room at the WCW offices, which had relocated from CNN tower out into the suburbs of Atlanta, met him in a room and <laughs> broke the news to him that the decision was he was going to be suspended without pay. I guess I never thought about the possibility that he may snap and it could become physical. And <laughs> he's a big guy and I've never had to have a fight with anybody in the business. I've always handed on a professional level level. And in this case, uh, he wasn't happy. And he went and called Bishop, I guess, even though he was on hiatus, who in turn, between the two of them, there may have been a meeting with Brad Siegel, I don't know. But it came back down through Bill Bush that I think we were suspending him for two weeks, but I think that he probably was paid through that entire time. But anyway, even after all of these years, uh, I had a situation at a personal appearance and in Boston, uh, I guess maybe two years ago. So this is years gone by. WCW closed down, I think, 2001. So you're talking about a decade, over a decade later. And traditionally, when I go to an appearance like that, especially if it's a big room with a lot of people, and I remember Dory Funk was there, who I hadn't seen in a long time. I walked around the room as I, as I would some guys I hadn't seen in a long time, some guys I had seen on a regular basis. And when I went by Scott, I, held, I said, hello, Scott. And even on here, I wouldn't want to. Uh, I mean, he screamed, F you. And I mean, it got, and, and this is in a public setting with fans walking around. I mean, I didn't respond. I just kept walking. 20 years he, later. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's quite 20, but it's oh, past 10. And he screamed, uh, continued to scream, hey, even when I was out of earshot. And so since then, I just kind of uh, as awkward as it would be if I go if I would see him somewhere I would not uh, acknowledge him or say hello or trigger a situation such as that and the odd part of it is uh, I'm very good friends uh, with his brother Rick who they're like direct opposites and sometimes it puts Rick in an awkward spot yeah I'm shocked WCW went out of business I am just appalled when you when you allow environments like that, and you, I mean, you touch somebody like that. If I were in that position, Scott Steiner, you're gone. I don't care what you're worth. You can't do that. You can't do that. You know what? I know at that time. I mean, that was already '98. Uh, they still had a few years before things went south. And uh, I know they were in hot competition with WWE, and I'm sure the executives thought, well, we let them go. WWE is going to pick them up. But like you said, that was the beginning of the end already in 98, because if you're going to let a talent not only push around executives, but go on the air and cut shoot promos and, and use coarse language on the air when you've got sponsors and veer off script and go over their time and do all the things Scott Steiner did, he should have been gone. Yes. And, and, quite, and quite honestly, I don't know if this man would have touched him. Uh, because of that reputation at that time. so Yeah. I mean, he is the poster boy for alleged roid rage. Like, if you were yeah. if you were to, like, 
You know, if you've ever seen the movie Reefer Madness, which was a marijuana like propaganda movie, if they made yeah. one about roid rage and wanted to put a guy on there to say, oh, look, it's real, you'd put yeah. Scott Steiner on there. Yeah, and for him, I mean, J.J. was the messenger, and I'm sure that just about everybody knew that. He wasn't a decision maker. He was a, he was a messenger. For Scott Steiner, 15 years later... To still hold a grudge on JJ. Yeah. JJ by then is in his early seventies, and he's still holding the grudge and, and cursing at him at a at a at a comic con or whatever it was. I mean, come on, seriously. That's insane. You know? like, I find it difficult to be upset about something that a person I didn't even like did like five months ago. Yeah, you you pissed me off on a daily basis, and by the next morning, it's forgotten. Oh. So. Boy, you know what I just noticed about you, Sean? What's that? So you know you're growing your hair out, right? Yes. Uh, because Thanks, you still I needed your... more attention on that. I just so some some of our uh, listeners are audio listeners and they don't watch the video, so I have to explain for them because you're growing your hair out, but you're still uh, styling it the way you always do. I hate it. The, si- the sides now are like Niagara Falls. Yeah, because the sides now are like you have wings. On both I, well, sides now. You know, I'm going to fly so. away. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to grow out my hair and hopefully donate it. I wasn't really going to put that out there. But everybody, every 10 minutes in the chat, it's there. Oh, Sean, yeah. your hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bet you all feel like assholes now, don't you? I'm donating it. Okay, now you've told us for weeks on the air that you're growing your hair out, but I'm not sure you've mentioned the donation part before. Yeah, I had a friend who passed away a couple months ago. She had cancer, and uh, for about the last year of her life, she didn't like a lot of pictures of herself published or anything because she was losing her hair, and just made me want to grow it out and donate it. That's cool. That's good, man. Good for you. Yes, indeed. I'm not always heal SRS, which allegedly people say I am. Now, is that you? No, it's not me. That's not you? No. Why the fuck would I do that? Pardon my Somebody French. put a lot of effort into that. They put a lot of effort that into that. It like once every six months I get one of yeah. those. And that's probably the same like, guy every time. Probably. I don't know. This guy kind of seems harmless. The last guy was – I think I've had like four or five of them. Right. But, that's amazing. That's amazing, man. Well, listen, um, listen, Jimmy. You need two of me, but I, I don't know. What – you get a fan base eventually in this shit, Jimmy. You you mm-hmm. may not know that. I don't know if you know that. But uh, I'm not even, in it for the fame. I, I, I am the I'm hashtag. Not in it for the fame. I am the hashtag stamina monster. I'm stealing that nickname from. That's one of the. Oh, here we go. Hold on. By the way, transition right into this. This is a stupid song. It just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. The Stamina Monster is a nickname on WWE and is now a nickname on Fightful.com because your boy is it. You can't even call me the 60-minute man anymore, even though I went 60 minutes Thursday. Or wait, no, it was Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I'm going Uh 90 minutes Tuesday and Wednesdays. Hebbity... I was never going to call you the 60-minute man because oh, that's you not were, my business. They all call me the 90-minute man now. It's Hashtag not my business. 90-minute na- man. It's everybody's business now. I will you think your kick wife in call the, you the doors of your mother's and scream in her face that I am the 90-minute man, and she'll look at me and she'll say, I already know. Is that right? That's how that it right? works, people. All you're trying of to get you. A, trying to get a rise talking about my mom, Sean? 
Is that what you're trying That's, to do? I, I was a general everybody a general, situation. General. Come on, uh, I don't narrow it down to individual mothers, Jimmy. I have okay. some respect. I respect myself. I respect yeah. Fightful as a brand. And now everybody uh, and their mothers will respect me as the hashtag stamina monster, hashtag 90-minute yeah. man. In what regard are you a 90-minute man? I do 90-minute shows back-to-back uh, every day. I do 90 minutes on the mats, 90 minutes in the bedroom. <laughs> Hebony, I was waiting for that one, man. Bring it on. Or run 90 minutes down the streets of Toronto. Okay. God damn. So your wife wouldn't say 90 second, man? Nope. No. <laughs> nope. I'll okay. have her on a members only podcast to verify. Thanks. There you go. Uh, no, I don't think you need to do that. Let's. Uh... <laughs> That's not necessary. Let's get into the nicknames. Boy, what a segue. That's not even a segue, but let's just get into the nicknames. They were cut uh, down this week, Jimmy. So I'm going to get into it. I believe that they're paying attention, Sean, but I'm, I'm going to get into it. So first, I'm going to thank uh, Trevor Strong for the usage of the stupid song, trevorstrong.org. Check him out. And I also want to thank, uh, thank Gisberto Guzzo, uh, our buddy from Edmonton, Alberta, who's been counting the nicknames for us. He's doing an awesome job. Uh, I saw you posted the photo of the Edge book too. That's cool. Yeah. So um, that, was, that was really cool. I liked stuff like that. Now we're doing something different this week, Sean. This week I'm not going to read examples uh, because I have another interesting little tidbit to share instead, instead yeah. of reading examples. But let's get into it first. So for Extreme Rules, uh, nicknames were used 74 times, including 20 times on the pre-show and 54 times on the main show. What do you think was the – now, you've probably already read this, so you might know. What was the nickname that was used the most on Extreme Rules? Oh, got to be the big dog, right? King of the Cruiserweights Ooh. was used 14 times. Neville's getting that push. He's getting the push, yeah. Four times on the pre-show, ten times on the main show. I just want to say, uh, though, uh, that Neville bringing that up in his promo the next day, he goes – he's like, TJP, I may be the king of the Cruiserweights. But I'm not a miracle worker. <laughs> and said he couldn't get TJP a title shot. I love it. There you go. There you go. Uh, other ones that were used a lot were the Titus brand, which was used 11 times only on the pre-show. That's a little different because the Titus brand is his gimmick, not just his name. So it's yeah, a little the, different. The whole thing is his gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's a little it's different. Okay. Uh, the Boss was used seven times. Lunatic, Lunatic Fringe six times. The Big Dog five times. And who said it? Michael Cole, 28 times, and Corey Graves, 23 times. Well, and then, of course, wrestlers a couple times. Sorry to interrupt, but Kyler James brought up a fantastic point. Kyler James, one of our social media managers. Michael Cole said, in relation to the big dog, I don't think he said the big dog is doing this, but he said, marking his territory. Great. So he Roman Reigns is pissing all over the ring now. Pissing all over the ring. Awesome. Uh, now here's where things got interesting, man. Here's where things got interesting. So at Extreme Rules, nicknames were used 74 times, right? On Raw last week, which was the May 29th edition, 75 times. On Raw the previous week, which was the May 22nd edition, 74 times. So they've been pretty consistent. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Around 75 times a week. Raw this week, the June 5 edition, 42 times. It was a it was a, a reduction by over 30 times. Do you think someone's figuring shit out or do you think it was a one week anomaly? I don't think it's a coincidence that we considered this show so damn good and this, there you this, go. And a lot of the bad stuff was kind of reduced. And I noticed uh, Booker T was still on the show, right? Yes, he's there through the summer, I think. Yeah. And David Otunga's around. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if if Otunga were there, that number is probably tripled. But yeah, well, I'm I'm wondering if they're figuring things out. I'm wondering if if maybe there's been a mandate to reduce it, or again, if it was a one week anomaly. Uh, I didn't catch uh, SmackDown Live this week. Uh, were nicknames used a lot on on SmackDown? The artist uh, and all to, that bullshit. I'd have to check, but um, also, like as Brandon Howard pointed out on Twitter, when all of this language, these language mandates are out of style in WWE, we're going to look back and we're going to hear this and we're going to go, Jesus, this is ridiculous. It's true. But there are things I've noticed, like the camera zooms aren't happening as much anymore. Right. That crap, yeah. I went back and watched The Shield's first match. It mm-hmm. was almost unwatchable because mm-hmm. of the shaky cam and all that mm-hmm. stuff. It, it was very, very frustrating to see. And... Yet, like, they want to be so much like TV and movies and sports, but then they do stuff like that. Like, imagine if every time in an NFL game that there was a hit, the camera just right. zoomed. Right. And you missed the impact. and you Or missed... shook or whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh, there now, are a lot of weird production things that they get in their head that they need to do. Now, they don't need to be bare bones by any means, but... Right, right. They don't need all now, this stuff. Um... Gisberto did something interesting for us this week. Yeah. So you you had uh, somebody last week or the week before that was critical of the whole nickname thing. And they said, well, back in the 90s, uh, they used them just as often. They had Stone Cold and they had whatever else. So Gisberto went back, and I don't know why he chose this particular week, but he watched the May 10, 1999 edition of WWF Raw to count the nicknames. And keep in mind, I believe it was a two-hour show back then, not a three-hour show. So you're going to have to average it by the hour. But uh, over that two hours, nicknames were used 11 times. 11 times. 11 times in two hours. So we're looking at over three hours, maybe 16, 17. Well, if you exclude this week, because this week might have been an anomaly. We don't know yet. Uh, If you exclude this week, they were averaging 25 an hour on Raw the last few weeks. And uh, back on that show, May 10, 1999, they were averaging 5.5 an hour compared to 25. If you want to look at this week, because maybe this week will be the new norm, they were averaging 14 an hour Yeah, this week, which is still more than 5.5, but way better than 25. So it goes to show that they weren't using the nicknames to that degree. And I, and I should wait, make one little note, to be fair. Uh, Mr. Ass was used 10 times on that show <laughs> because – just like how t- the Titus brand is the gimmick, Mr. Ass for a while was Billy Gunn's gimmick. It was his name so, for a it while. Was name. It they, was his name. They right. like, ceased calling him Billy Gunn for a little bit. They like, did. They did. So it's, so it's kind of hard to call it a nickname because it was his name. <laughs> let's, just, let's just think back about how ridiculous that sounds now. 
Yeah. That yeah. his name was Mr. Ass. Isn't that what your license plate says? I wish. <laughs> I wish. On the car that I jump on top of. Somebody in the chat asks, when is the next Fightful Books it? I, uh, so I'll give you the, the rhyme and reason for those guys. When there are weekends when we like have no shows, like generally no UFC, no pay-per-view shows, I like to give you all something a little extra, whether it's a members-only show or a Fightful Books it. So usually it'll be during stuff like that. This weekend we have uh, a UFC show from New Zealand. So I don't know. Uh, that's probably going to be a pretty short show because there's not a lot of big fights on it. So maybe I'll do one this weekend. I don't know. Next weekend we have Money in the Bank and UFC in Singapore. So right. it, it depends. Right. We I like to address it as they come. And if I think that content is maybe not as popping that weekend for podcast i'll throw one in. right one other thing that we should mention uh about raw this week so like most weeks the name used the most was the big dog 10 times but something about raw that was both indicative of raw and extreme rules Corey graves numbers were down in terms of nickname usage on raw he said a nickname 14 times compared to 22 by michael cole uh, and then, as I said, at Extreme Rules, Graves said them 23 times and Cole said them 28 times. So Graves has cut it down over the last uh, week anyway. Well, that's good because in NXT, he was an unbelievably incredible right. uh, color commentator. The, one of the best I had seen in years. Right. And you need guys like that to counteract guys like Tom Phillips, who, who could, for all I know, could be the next coming of Jim Ross, but as long as yeah. he is under WWE mandates, we're yeah. never going to know because I'm telling you, Jimmy, try to listen to a Tom Phillips match that he calls and not hear, ooh, 700 times. It is infuriating. And now yeah, you get it so. from Byron Saxton. You get it from everybody now. Mm-hmm. Then you go and you listen to Jim Ross and Nigel McGinnis call Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate and you're like, wow, this is outstanding. So. Yeah, and again, Graves, when Graves is on his game, I, re- I remember back to the, the Cruiserweight tag last week when Neville tapped out to Austin Aries in the yeah. tag match, and Graves made a point, and he said, well, uh, Neville tapped out because there's no stakes in this tag match, and he's want- he wants to be healthy for the Cruiserweight title match on the pay-per-view. Yep. That's a good thing to say, right? Yeah, so but he's, in, he- in that event, I'm rolling in the ring, tapping the mat three times and leaving. Well, whatever, but he still wants to put up a fight. I mean, they got a, they got a show to do. It's a performance. But I like the fact that he tries to draw analogies out of this stuff, and he tries to yeah. – almost like a Joe Rogan to a degree. Yeah. But when he throws in that bullshit, that's when it really irritates me. And you know what they always say about a good commentator? When you're not noticing the commentator, that's when they're a good commentator. Same with right? refs, yeah. Right. So um, I thought he was much better this week. Raw was better this week. It's good that we don't have to be hateful troll, Sean. Yeah, Not hateful well, trolls, man. We had a guy, I don't like to to address this, but somebody said, all of your co-hosts need to be more positive. And I said, no, I want my co-host to be honest. If mm. it's not good, I want them to say it's not good. If they think that way, it's subjective entertainment, so I may think it's the greatest thing in the world. They sure. may think it's the biggest trash fire they've ever seen, and I want that. I want the discussion of... Why Why I thought it was good. Why Anna thought it was a trash fire. Why Jeff sure. was indifferent about it. Why Alex thinks that it's going to end wrestling as we know it. <laughs> Things like that. Uh, I, I like that type of discussion. Well, again, going to Joe Rogan, for those that aren't you, uh, MMA fans, Joe Rogan has a daily podcast 
And it's not all MMA. He talks about everything. But this is a guy under UFC contract, and he shits on the UFC when he mm-hmm. thinks it's warranted. So if the Reebok deal he thought was shit, which he did, he will talk about it. If he thinks the treatment of a fighter is crap, he'll talk about it. And he does this with a contract with the company. We have no agenda. We don't have a contract with WWE. So we can say whatever we want, good or bad. Yeah. And I think we owe it to our listeners. I think I that if we were to praise everything, it's not effective. Oh, and and I, if we shit on everything, it's not either. I think co-opted WWE coverage is dangerous. There, You can tell who wants to work for WWE within the media. Right. Based on like, they'll try to put over stuff that yes, yeah, that come on is indefensible. They'll try to yeah. put over things that, and then there are also those people, which there are local guys here in Cincinnati who do this about like Bengals and Red stuff. They'll mm. intentionally do a hot take that they know is stupid wrong just to get the mm. cover, just to get the clicks. But mm-hmm. in wrestling, it's the thing is it's entertainment. So this person's trying to be an entertainer, but they're still trying to cover WWE. But they're still trying to not piss off WWE and sacrificing their integrity as a result. I don't want to mm-hmm. sacrifice my integrity. If something no. needs to be covered like it's absolutely ludicrous, you better believe Alex Pawlowski is all too happy to just write. And what happens when that when when that's the case? He writes off the tracks with A-Train at the top. That mm-hmm. way you don't think that it's like some non-biased news story. It's like right. there there are levels to this shit, Jimmy. And that, that just frustrates me. And never and since I've started this journey have I been like, you know what? I want to work for WWE because I have friends who do and I have friends who have. And they say, you want to until your first week there and you realize yep. what it is. You know, we've talked about this before on the show, but my dream for years was to be a television writer for WWE. Yeah. And when I started going through the process and having to sign the waivers and here's the rules and you got to send in script samples and deal with this person and deal with that person, based on the process, I didn't want – it wasn't my dream anymore after that. And so you're right. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of bullshit. I think, uh, I, think it, I think a lot of it starts out as when you're young, you want to be a wrestler. When you get older – I found out I wasn't big enough to be a wrestler. I got into MMA, and I hated the grind. I hated Mm. the grind, and my competitive urges were satisfied when I went and did pro wrestling after that. I didn't want to train anymore. I didn't want to fight anymore. I wanted to do pro wrestling every once in a while. And at that point, there weren't a lot of people with any semblance of journalism experience or in-ring experience or training experience that were getting into journalism. So I was like, I want to give this a try, and I had a knack for it. But I and I'm I like to book things creatively in my head. I don't want to travel to every all these places and have Vince McMahon calling at two in the morning and well, not right now. Now you're you're satisfied intellectually because you get to talk to me. Yeah, that that must so, be it. I make you step it up. You yeah, can't just, you know, talk in stupid slang when you're dealing the, with the me. The WWE right? is life is not all it's cracked up to be. I I no. know people there that absolutely love the road life and they wouldn't trade it for anything. People on the writing staff too who absolutely love it and wouldn't trade it for anything. And then I've got people who are like I'm making this amount of money and then I'm getting out. I I heard a clip from one of Stone Cold's recent podcasts talking about how he would love to go to the Performance Center and, and check things out. But he said getting to Florida is a pain in the ass because he doesn't want to travel anymore. And this is a guy that did it forever. I mean, he was full-time forever going back to WCW. Doesn't he's, want to 
go to Florida on a one-off if he doesn't He's have to. He's a guy who has openly spoken about when he had a broken neck. He was so used to traveling and loved it so much, he would drive 40 minutes to get a jalapeno burger right. so he could travel somewhere. Right. Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, what you heard about meetings to educate talent on how to avoid phishing spam. Yeah, I got the information that, that last night and Monday there were a, a series of meetings conducted and the people I spoke to said it was very positive. It was lighthearted. It wasn't like a scolding situation. Although if the WWE wanted it to be, they very well could have taken it in that direction because mm-hmm. we've seen it happen to several male and female wrestlers over, over the mm-hmm. past several months and several years, really. Uh, the talent that I heard from said that they considered the meeting productive because there are a lot of people on that roster who aren't tech savvy. There are guys in their mid to late 40s who see a fake Gmail or iPhone login page and they're they're clicking on it. They're like, oh, yep. my password's gone. Yep. They were told do not accept hardware, do not accept USBs, do not accept uh, like disks, do not accept phones. That was, uh-huh. that was a big thing with a lot of female wrestlers. They would be gifted phones in the past. Uh-huh. Um, gosh, I, I can't remember who it was, but there were like there was a, a fan who bought a woman a phone, and she would end up giving that phone to other women uh-huh. on tour in Japan, and it made the rounds like five or six different girls. It's a wonder nothing happened out of that. Uh-huh. So that was the thing, and, and the quote I was given was, I don't care if it's Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie that gave it to you. Don't use it. Yeah, you know, we had something happen in our company a while back where there was a PayPal email that looked like it was from PayPal, looked completely legitimate, uh, went to several members on the team, and it said the same thing, essentially. And uh, what I told my team, and I'll tell this to anybody listening to this in case you might not be sure, if you hover over the link in the email, uh, let's say it's a PayPal email, the link is not going to say paypal.com in it. If you if you if you hover over it, it's going to be some other kind of crap which tells you that that is not legitimate and the same thing if it's iTunes, same thing if it's if it's Gmail. If the link is not gmail.com, itunes.com, paypal.com, it's not legitimate. And that's really all you got to look at. Um, and that's why a lot of these girls were tricked because you heard it the same thing with the celebrities like some Jennifer Lawrence. Too. Some of the men were too. Yeah, I mean, in the case of Seth Rollins, obviously, he was just an idiot and, and yeah, was, sent pictures to the wrong girl. That was another thing. Uh, they were told, under no circumstances, should your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your kids, your family, your friends, your BFF, should yeah. they have access to your social media? Yeah. Uh, we should and you should. That's it. That was, that was very – because anything can happen, especially when you're traveling that much. People Can you imagine? Idea. I, I have heard stories about John Cena in his younger days, and he was a womanizer like a lot of the guys are, and he went on Howard Stern when he was younger, talked about it. Can you imagine when they were pushing John Cena as the guy that does all the make-a-wishes and the white meat baby face guy, and imagine if photos got out with him with some ring rat on the road. I, sh- could, I shouldn't say ring rat. I shouldn't say ring rat. Could you imagine if any form of social media or camera phone were around when JBL was an active wrestler. He would not be a commentator right now. No, but, but at least JBL wasn't positioned character-wise the same way John oh, Cena sure. was, yeah. right? Yeah. Cena, it could have been a career killer. Yeah. And I apologize for using ring rat. I shouldn't have said that. I should just say like a female fan on the road. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, could have, that could have killed him. Yeah. 
And so these guys have to be smarter. They have to be smarter. And uh, hopefully they're going to start figuring it out because clearly whoever uh, did the, the, the most recent leak, they waited until they had enough pictures built up across several celebrities and then they just dumped them all. You know, in order to in order to get attention. Well, and as I mentioned to you, I, I'm all the time getting like stuff, and you, it, in this line of work, you have to separate what's worth reporting, what's not, uh, what mm-hmm. will benefit the site, and you have to separate the good from the bad and the real from the fake. There were stuff about this about the recent leaks that were were emerging like last year, like people were saying it's coming, it's coming. Right. And I was like, okay, well, it's it's not of my concern. Their their phones are not of my concern. If they comment on it, generally we'll report it. But otherwise, hey, their vagina, their business to me. I, I don't care. I, don't I mean, care. you know what? Not not that I want to be disrespectful to, say, a page. Uh, but because of her position in the company at that time, it's not going to be a career killer for her. No. And, and somebody like Charlotte, uh, yes, you know, nude photos were leaked, but nothing graphic. Yeah. And so it's not going to be a career killer for her. But again, you want to be smart about what you're putting out there, especially given your position in the company. Can you imagine if Jinder Mahal, imagine, now that he's getting this push, imagine if photos came out next week well, you, of, of, of him you, on the road? You just never know. Well, it depends. If he's like doing rails off of a hooker's <laughs> ass or something, then yeah. But apparently nude photos are not a career killer anymore. And I, I'm co- I'm glad that we're at that place socially Ultimately, yeah. it's their life. They can do what the hell they want. They do sign a po- – there was a new version of the social media policy that was handed around. Not everybody signed it yet though, but it was handed right. around when right. some revisions were made. But I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still laughing about Jinder Mahal doing rails off a hooker for or, some reason. Or as, or as uh, Daniel Cormier why. said, sandblasting strippers <laughs> to John Jones. It doesn't make like, – I find that. Does okay. He, I, does, does I got to tell a story. Well, does he have hold on? Does he have strippers over at his house doing DIY projects or something? Like, I got got to tell a story, man. Uh, Last company that I'm going to make this quick, but it's funny. Last company that I was in before I started my own, I once had lunch with a client, and my VP came with me. And my VP told me going in, he said, "I just want you to know, I've known this client for many, many years. We used to party together. You might hear some things in this lunch, right?" So we're sitting at this lunch in the middle of the day in Las Vegas, and the client looks at my VP, and I'm not going to say his name, but the client looks at my VP, and he goes, hey, remember last time we were in Vegas a few years ago, and we ended up at that hotel down the street, and we were doing rails off those two hookers? Oh, no. And the VP turned and looked at me like this, and uh, I'm going to be honest, going into that meeting, I knew my VP had a certain problem, Sean, if you know what I mean? I, I knew it. But it had never been made public before, and I don't think he ever quite lived that down that that story came out. So there were no photos, and there was no leak, but it again kind of came back to bite him a little bit. Hey, don't have to worry about your boy and substance abuse. I've never even taken a drink in my life. I, you told me that. You, t- pure, you know what? Pure. When the time comes that we hit our numbers, because we will, when we hit our numbers and when you come to Toronto, <laughs> we're going to have one pint. Ah, oh, I can't do it. I'll we're going to have up. one I, pint, I'm John. weak. I mean – your boy smokes a bit of the ganja here and there. And that's fine. But, that's no, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be legal in Canada as of July 1st. Yeah, hopefully we coast hit Coast to that, coast. Hoping that we hit that uh, traffic goal in July 2 then. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have two kids, so spe- I'm not bringing that stuff around the house, but uh, you can help yourself. Speaking of, oh, well, yeah. I would, and really the only time I've done it is if I have a lot of trouble sleeping. Like right. 
Because, as you know, my hours get messed up sometimes. Like, this past weekend, you got a double pay-per-view weekend. It's tough to get normal hours in after you're up till 4 or 5 in the morning working post-UFC, post-Extreme Rules. And I like to be up. Fortunately for me, the WWE news cycle is a little bit... And UFC, because it's a little behind because they don't like to break news at like 8, 9 a.m. on the East Coast. Because then the West Coast gets it like 5, 6 in the morning. They don't want that. Got a question for you. Yeah. Now, I don't want to turn this into an MMA podcast, so we're not going to go into detail on this. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... When you heard about the Mighty Mouse story about what Dana White has said to him, did that make you think to yourself, you know what, Jimmy really is a sweet guy? Yeah, I've, I've not made any bones about it. We pick on each other on the podcast. I like working for you. It's have, fun. Have I, like I doing not it. flat out said to you, if you want me as an employee, you have me for life, whether it's with Fightful or with any of your other projects, correct? Uh... I've said that before. I've said you that before. Did, you did, but you also tried to leverage a deal somewhere else I, to get more no, money. No, 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 Yes, you did. Well, I yes, did, le- did. Well, first off, I didn't try. I absolutely did leverage yeah, you did. a deal. Yeah, you did. But they came to me. I didn't come to them. How does it make a difference? You told me that I'm. Uh, you're an employee for life. Well, you know. So who cares who went to who? Aaron Hyden says, sports site with an exclamation point. Oh, you're talking about locker feed? All right. Am I allowed to say the word? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's oh, ready to go. Feed. I have to I have to they're trying Hell to make it yeah. faster. Awesome. I'm yeah, pumped. Hey, your boy Aaron Hyden, who does the spare room, if you want some NFL draft coverage. Really? Ooh, he You is... know what's interesting? So uh, I'm I'm gonna Sean already knows this, but I'm gonna tell you guys a little a little behind the scenes tidbit. When I cut the deal with Russo to come back and do segments on this podcast, he wanted more money for the tapings that I was willing to pay him. Mm-hmm. And I was able to cut a deal with him for less than he wanted because he said to me, I hear that you have a sports site coming and I love baseball. And so maybe when that's alive, you'll consider me for that. And so for that reason, he took less money. So, uh, so speaking of leverage, who do you think told him about that? I to, know you did. To get I know you that deal. I know you did. Uh-huh. Making yeah. moves, making moves, making several hundred dollar moves. <laughs> <laughs> but we've got a oh, lot of really it. versatile guys. Like John Morehouse has covered a bunch of sports. Uh, Carlos Toro has covered um, Yankees minor league baseball for years. Uh, oh. Mike Straw, I met him uh, when I worked at Fansided. He's big into video game coverage. Like we oh. have some really versatile people. So that's kind of cool that a Vince Russo or an Aaron Hyden can uh, jump into that. But yeah. So why doesn't let me, Mike, just, what? let me just say I didn't go elsewhere and say, "Hey, make me an offer. Make me an offer." Doesn't make a difference. Doesn't make a difference. I haven't reached out to anybody about work, but I have had multiple, multiple websites, some of which may or may not be around by the end of the week. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah, because I, I heard about Champions. Champions You're is not done. Supposed to say anything about that? That's not public. Well, I've heard it now from like three different people. Not public. Still, three different much. people have not told me. Not public. And eh, whatever, I don't care. Not Sean, public. I don't care, man. You know this about me. Yeah, but there are people there who don't know yet. Well, now they're gonna know. Well, now they're gonna know. Yeah, I've heard it from three different people. But let's just say okay. I've, I have avoided some places which seemed very promising and seemed like, wow, that's a good idea. And I said, nah, I'm good where I'm at. Uh, I mean, I, you know what, in all honesty, cause I'm only busting your balls and, and, and I didn't mind giving you My more balls money. Can't be busted. 
Unless you got ninety, <laughs> unless you got ninety-one minutes on your hand, and I don't that, believe right. you do, because ninety minutes in one second, ninety-minute man, right. balls of steel. Yeah. No, what I did, I didn't mind giving you that money, uh, but just understand when you tell somebody I'm with you for life, it doesn't matter if someone approaches you or you approach them. When you say I'm for life, I'm for life. Well, the, okay. Here's what we can do: we can draft up a new contract that says for 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 for, for life. Save money because I'm cool with that. You know, I'm, I might consider. That means it. no more raises ever again. You know, I'm going to be honest. Might consider it. That's how how much I like working here. Wow. Not even going to lie. Wow. Not even going to lie. That's how, how much li- I how enjoy many, working. How many here. live uh, YouTubers do we have on here right now? How many live YouTube people? What do you mean? Oh, listeners. Buck fifty. Not a lot. Okay, buck fifty. So that means that uh, that's 150 people that are witnesses to Sean. <laughs> Because you never know if he's going to edit this out of the of the tape show later. So there you go, Somebody witnesses. said free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't love it that much. Uh-huh, I've, I've uh-huh. been through that phase. I've been through the underpaid phase. I've been through the paid just under what I'm comfortable with phase. I like what Jimmy pays me. I've been through all that myself. I mean, when you're when you're you know paying your dues, you know, I've been through it's, all that. It's, it's enough to where I'm telling my wife. I'm going to start saving up. I want us to move to Lexington in a couple of years type of thing. Like, cause I want to be closer to action. Like if, right. if WWE is at Rupp, I want to be okay. there interviewing people. I want to be doing stuff like that. Now, uh, speaking of, you know, employers and employees. Yeah. Uh, have you heard any good stories recently about Vince Russo potentially going to work for Stephanie McMahon? You mean 15 years ago? There you go. Well, there you go. I talked to Vince Russo, of course, and uh, he's always said that that was one of the big sticking points with his 2002 return to the WWE, but I can't talk through this intro because you all got to take it in. Absolutely. You know I'm sexy. Yeah, man, yeah, man. I'm going to take you boy. Two thousand two. Everybody knows you went back to WWE to have a little conversation for a day. How did all that come about? That came about, bro. I swear to God, it came about that you know I was done with WCW and I was working my own business in Atlanta, and the WWE ratings kept going down, kept going down, kept going down, kept going down, and Disco used to come into my store all the time. So Disco came in one day, and like he always used to bug me. You got to call Vince. You got to contact Vince. Their numbers are going down. You got to contact Vince. And bro, I really didn't want to contact Vince because I really. So you, so you had Disco arrested for loitering instead. Yeah, I, I should have, bro. I should have. But I, I knew, I, 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 bro. Like there was a part of me that, bro, the money's always good. I'm not gonna freaking lie to you. But there was a part of me like that just didn't want to get into it. So. Disco said to me one day, he goes, Vince, he goes, when their ratings go back down to a three, you got to call them. And, bro, I said to Disco, okay, bro, if they go down to a three, I'll call them. Honestly, never thinking it was going to go down to a three. Never thinking. And then, sure enough, bro, they went back down to a three. Disco called me the next day and he goes, bro, you got to call them. And literally that's, that's when I reached out to Vince McMahon. So you went in for a meeting. It lasted one day. What, what was that like? Who did you speak to? Bro, 
you could say that I made a mistake, but I don't really think I made a mistake. And I'll tell you why. Vince flew me into his house a couple of times. Nobody knew about it, bro. Bro, not even Stephanie knew about it. I didn't know about that till later on. Vince wound up hiring me. He hired me. We we agreed on money. He hired me. So it came down to, okay, Vince, how are we going to spring this on everybody? And, bro, I think I think King of the Ring was that weekend, right? And Vince turned to me and he goes, well, just show up at the pay-per-view. And I'm like, Vince, that that's not right. I'm like, you can't do that to your writers. You can't do that to the writing team. I don't want to do it that way. Now, bro, if I would have agreed to do it that way, things may have ended up completely different. But I said, no, bro, that's not the right way to do it. I don't want to do it that way. So he suggested, he said, the writers are meeting tomorrow. Will you stay overnight and meet with them tomorrow and I'll make the announcement? I said, yes, I will do that. I got up the next morning, bro. I had breakfast with Shane McMahon, who was a big advocate of uh, me coming back. Me and Shane had a great breakfast Then Vince brought me to the writers, bro, and I've talked about this before. you got to keep in mind, I left three years earlier, and it was just me and Ed Ferrara. I walk into a room, bro, there's 15 writers in this room. I I mean, like, my jaw hit the floor, and a lot of them were really young. And uh, Vince made the mistake of leaving me in the room alone with the writers. Now, Sean, at that time, anybody can look at the ratings. The WWE sucked. I mean, they were freaking free-falling. And I sat there, and I literally laid out a year of creative. Now, you got to understand, I know wrestling. I know how the game is played. And as I'm laying out this year of creative, like jaws are hitting the floor. Like they never – they couldn't believe – the stuff I was laying out to them. I knew in my heart of hearts that the minute I left and Vince came in, that they were going to bury me to Vince because quite frankly, if Vince hired me, he didn't need any of them. I mean, it was that simple. And you know, wrestling's all about protecting the spot. Also during that time, bro, Stephanie was not there. I think this is when Vince told her that he hired me. I had one conversation with her, bro. She was so freaking disrespectful to me and talked to me like a redheaded stepchild that when when I, when she hung up the phone with me, I knew there's, there's no way this is going to work out. This is just not going to work out. Why do you think that was with her? She didn't want me there, bro. Her, her, her and Triple H wanted the power. They, you know, she she was just named head of creative. I knew more about creative than she ever would. I still do to this day. It, bro, it was all about power. And, you know, Shane wanted me there wholeheartedly. Stephanie wanted me nowhere near the WWE. And, bro, I was not going to join that company to be abused by Stephanie McMahon. That was not going to happen. Had this been a few years later, uh, just hypothetically, and she wasn't involved with creative, do you think that that conversation with her would have been different? 
Absolutely. Absolutely, bro. But bro, you got to look at it. You got to look at it too. Like you got to look at it realistically. The fact, and this is why Vince never told his daughter, the fact that I would have been reporting to Stephanie would have been absolutely ridiculous with, with everything I had accomplished there and her having no writing experience whatsoever. And I had a report to her. I think even Vince knew that that just, that, that would not have worked and it wouldn't have bro. I mean, if I would have went back, it just would have been a massive waste of everybody's time. I think the bro counter was at 25 for that. Who's counting it? Everybody in the chat. Oh, really? Really? That's cool. Uh, Also, uh, I forgot to shout out Andrew Skinner yesterday. He was the guy who mentioned the Neville using the My Precious uh, in promos. I told him I would shout him out Tuesday. Kind of forgot about it. Also, uh, best wishes to Mike Straw. His father's going through some health issues. Uh, One of Uh. Fightful's own, but... Yeah, Russo, I, I can't say that if I'm Stephanie McMahon that I wouldn't have been protective in that situation because she yeah. seems like she had to be, for a number of reasons, Vince did abandon ship, like in the middle of a pretty pretty wild time, but I don't know. Like, Do you think that Stephanie thought that this is my only chance to be involved in something here? Because obviously it wasn't. No, she worked in different departments. I, I think she had worked in uh, media sales at one point. Uh, she, I mean, we've talked about her before, and I don't know her personally. And and with all due respect to you know her position, and and I heard she's a great mother and and wife and everything. I've just never found her to be impressive from an executive standpoint. I just ha- I haven't. Uh, when she's tweeting the stuff she tweets. That's just not smart. You you don't do the stuff she's done when you're an executive at a major corporation. Uh, I think that it was her trying to find a place for herself and uh, because nothing was working. And Vince, because it's his daughter, wasn't really going to say no. And I think she wanted to be part of creative and Vince kind of let it happen and she wasn't capable. And she never, from what I understand, wrote anything. Um, As far as the Russo thing goes, I think even back then, that was what, 2002, he said? Yeah. I think even back then, Stephanie was starting to try to position herself because Shane was still there. And uh, as that article, I believe it was the Vice.com article, as it kind of outlined, there has been this divide between Shane and Stephanie in terms of, you know, the heir to the throne going back many years. And, and it's unfortunate, but it's, it's a fact of life. And I think that Stephanie and Triple H, even back then, were already trying to position themselves as the heir to the throne because Shane was still there. And I think that Russo was a Shane guy, uh, a Shane and Vince guy. And I think that was a big part of it. It was very political, I think. And I think she was threatened by the fact that, oh, if this guy comes in and and he's close to my dad and he's close to my brother. And Vince had a lot of trust in him and all that. Now, will I run into this problem with Jimmy Jr. down the line? You absolutely will. Uh, The difference between Vince McMahon and myself is that I'm going to tell it like it is. And so uh, in 17 years, let's say, Sean – uh, get to know Jimmy Jr. because he's going to replace you in a couple of years. <laughs> well, if it's 17 so, years, I might be okay with that. Yeah, you might be okay. Hey, you might be you okay. know what? I said for life, 17 years would be a solid run. That's a pretty good run. <laughs> that is a solid run. That would make you like the John Cena of Fightful.com. I'm not already. So, Who the hell is the John Cena of Fightful.com then? Nobody yet, man. You know, oh, you're come still... on. Get out of here. Right now, you're not even the Roman Reigns of, of, of Fightful. You know what you are right now? I'm the JBL. You know what you are right now? 
No, you're the Jinder Mahal of Fightful.com right now. Cool with that. Because you were jobbing out everywhere else, and then I elevated you to the next level. That's what it was. Let's just pause for a second. This 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 ludicrous comment like almost <laughs> can't even be addressed. So don't address it. We're just gonna move on. No, no, I'm gonna address it. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Well, let's, you fucking wrong. You fucking wrong. That's what we'll say right now. Hashtag. You know what I just ha- proved? What, 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 we just did another hashtag. Hashtag. Yeah. You fucking wrong. I just proved again that you are too sensitive. <laughs> Because I can't even tell a joke without you getting all rattled. The diva's all rattled over there. <laughs> the, the, the diva's got to speak well, out about you know what, what Jimmy just you said. You know what? What year are you stuck in? Because all Oh, I'm I, in the present, my well, friend. Another hashtag, give divas a chance. Don't stereotype uh-uh. us. How about that? I'm not calling you a WWE diva. I'm just calling You're you a diva, wrong. period. <laughs> so, uh, moving on. Did you hear that WWE is contemplating creating a theme park attraction? Yeah, I'd go. You'd go? I'd go. So according to the June 5 edition of Orlando Weekly, and my my in-laws are from Orlando, and I had never heard of Orlando Weekly, but according to the June 5 edition, a company called Forek, which is an entertainment design firm, released a pamphlet showing some of their recent work. It included four pages called WWE Branded Attractions. And uh, it included rides that had names like Suplex City, Rock Bottom, and the Triple H Sledgehammer. Then it had a a haunted house called the WWE House of Horrors. And once again, Bray Wyatt is getting the shaft because it's called the House of Horrors, but it's going to feature the Boogeyman and the Undertaker and not Bray Wyatt. Uh, and then there's also a fun house with an Andre the Giant theme. They didn't really specify is this going to be like a part of, say, Universal Studios or part of, you know, something else or if it's going to be its own theme park. So what do you think? Do you think that this could be the start of the brick and mortar Hall of Fame and then that might be part of it? Yes. Do you think? Yeah. Then, then we give them the hog coaster. <laughs> Let them ride it. Whoa. That's how it goes. I don't know how to address that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Don't know how. You can't one-up your boy. You can't do it. Oh, when I'm when I'm on because you have to understand I've had a I've had a week of of like a lot of a lot of you know activity and and, and been very busy so I'm not completely on my you game just today. Troll, though you're like. Oh, you're not good at stuff, and I might fire you and not sign your check. Meanwhile, I get Toronto behind me. I take your own city, and Why I. Why did you just do the RVD? You just did the RVD double. No, thumbs. I was pointing Why behind did me. <laughs> did you ever see the bowler that would do that? No. Oh my God! You guys have to see this goofy bowler named Pete really? Weber Jr. I really? saw a feature on him on ESPN. And is he's like balding and ha- wore sunglasses, and he would say, "I'm PDW." When he would land a strike, he would tell the crowd to suck it. Really? And he wow. would be like, "Yeah, I don't believe that would offend anybody." And then the, the Sports Center anchor, when it came back from the story, was like, "Well, it definitely offended me, and I'm sorry that you all had to watch that." This was like 15 really? years ago when I saw it. Yeah, oh, it was oh. so weird. I couldn't believe 
And I mean, I could see what he was doing. He was trying to drum up some stuff, but yeah. he's real. He's a real person. Huh. Fan of the Attitude Era. Competitive bowlers. I don't know about him. You know, sometimes, I don't know if, if you guys get this on television in the U.S., but uh, lunchtime, we go to a pub a lot, and they have sports on with our local TSN or whatever. Darts in Europe? Big time. Ridiculous. I had a, Ridiculous. I had, a friend, I had a friend at Residency MMA. He doesn't tweet as much anymore. Uh, one of my early Twitter friends, but I would always see him live tweeting darts. And you know what's crazy is, with all due respect to these guys, because obviously they're good at what they do, dart players are not athletes. They're they're typically these fat guys, yeah. uh, and they act like rock stars, and they got groupies like in the crowd. It's unbelievable. You to mean me. you don't have groupies? Uh, well, I mean, you know, I got you. You're 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 you know, some days you're pretty close. You know, no. whenever 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 you're looking for a favor, you really know how to put me over. You're fucking wrong. <laughs> not looking for any favors today. You're out of the office this week. Yeah, not today. Oh no, I'm 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 back Friday, man. Are you? Friday things are going to start getting back so, to normal. So how does that how does that feel going back to the office after this? And are you going to miss the uh, you miss little Jimmy Junior? How's that going to work? You know what? So I have spent most of my week, as a matter of fact, my entire week dealing with my daughter because I have a two and a half year old daughter, and the day that we introduced her to Jimmy Junior, she cried. Joy because, or sadness? Oh, no, no. Sadness. Uh-oh. Because she recognized that she was no longer going to be the center of attention. Yeah. And so I told my wife, I am going to focus on her and keep her normalcy going, keep her routine going. Yeah. You and your mother, because her mother, my mother-in-law is in town, you and your mother can focus on the baby. I'm going to focus on her. And that's what I've done this week from sun uh, sunrise to sunset. I've been focused on my daughter. That's cool. So. That's really awesome. Yep. So back to normal. Somebody asked, speaking of bro count, Sean, are you on good terms with Matt Riddle? I talk to Matt about once a week at least. So We're going to talk off the air about Matt. We're going to talk about him off the air. Oh, Yeah, I'm going to talk to you about Matt a little bit. Huh, interesting. Aaron Hyden said, uh, he says, there aren't many bowling movies. There's a couple decent ones. Kingpin. Kingpin. Kingpin's great. Maybe that's it. Hey, guys, we have... We have New Japan Dominion coverage at 3 a.m. Eastern Sunday morning. So if any of you are up, maybe you just got done watching that UFC show, which we are also covering live, head over to our live coverage and uh, talk some trash about Dominion. Okada Omega rematch. You're not going to see a whole lot of sites covering that live, but uh, David T's getting it done again, Jimmy. And of course, guys, subscribe, like, thumbs us up. Let people know about it. Say, hey, I really like the list and your boy. We're getting a buzz, man. Things are pretty good. I love it. I love it. How quickly this show has become. And I'm seeing our live viewers increase, too, because we're in the afternoon, which I love afternoon podcasts. Um, The live viewers aren't as much, but then by the end of the week, it's the most watched show. Yeah. 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 It's good, and we're starting to get attention on other websites and, you know, Polly from Rochester Radio, and yeah. there you go, man. Is normal. Is normal. Guys, also uh, check out that Raw podcast, the SmackDown podcast, Extreme Rules podcast. I did Holy Smokes yesterday with Showdown Joe, talking MMA, talk the Demetrius Johnson thing at length. If you all haven't tried MMA, maybe you don't even like MMA. Give the Holy Smokes MMA podcast a try. We had Elias Theodoru on. We had Frank Trigg on. 
Uh, I like having Frank Tragon because he is a ref. He is a very, very good ref now after being a fighter. So I love hearing uh, his takes on things like that. Just give it a try. I can't count the number of people, dozens of people that have said, I got into MMA because I started to watch Fightful MMA podcast. Nothing makes me happier than that. Outside of leveraging other sites to make more money off of Jimmy and then him bringing it up on the air because that's completely appropriate. I you this is one of the things you love about me, Sean. You know that I say and do what I want. I love I love it. I really do. Just how it is. Because I like that we do that on the podcast. Because other podcasts don't do that. No, if if that would have happened at another place of work, it wouldn't have got brought up. Uh people would just think I'm some jabroni that nobody wants. Uh, I felt well, like the prettiest, I said it. I felt like the prettiest girl at prom that week, Jimmy. Yeah, you did. Good for you. Anything else to add to that, Jimmy? That's it, man. We're done. Good to see you, my friend. Somebody says 300 bucks and Virgil will actually stand behind you for an entire show. Uh, I've thought about it. Believe me. I've thought about it. So we'll see. I don't want this show to end, Jimmy. I don't don't want to. I got stuff to do, man, because I'm out tomorrow. But but you can't, like, get up and walk away. That's why I'm keeping you hanging here. Oh, yes, I can. You can't. You want to test a theory? Yeah, I want to see if you're unprofessional <laughs> enough to get up and walk away because you don't know what I'll do after that. And I think that bothers Oh, yeah, you. I will because I'll watch it back and then I'll get it edited out. <laughs> I'll save it before you can. All right. Well, guys, this has been um, the first ever World Series of Pissing Contests. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> no. <laughs> follow jimmy at jimmy van 74 follow me at sean ross Tapp. of course visit fightful.com i love how active you guys have been in those forums like we're getting those four or five page threads i love it come over there hang out uh, i want every single person watching this to start a forum thread yesterday and actually don't forget to give away the uh signed edge book for the extreme rules contest so go back and look at that well there we go Until next time, guys, we are out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.